So we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one right in front of you. I encourage you to follow along. I really do. I encourage you to follow, follow along with me in the Bible. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now, let's get the context before I get going. Paul is in prison. He's writing this from prison. Now, there's, uh, there's uh, more than one of these prison epistles, but while he's in prison, he, this is his last letter he's writing that we have that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is his last letter he writes before he's beheaded for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to get his head cut off. You say, well, what did Paul do wrong? Paul didn't do anything wrong. Well, why was God mad at him? God wasn't mad at him. He was doing exactly what the Lord wanted him to do, and it led him right to where he had his head cut off. Sometimes the Lord leads us into that kind of stuff, not for our glory, but for His glory. And, and that's what He's about to tell us here. But and, and now, no, I'm saying all that so you get the context. Because sometimes you read this and you think, well, there's Paul and everything's going rosy and he's living in a, he, everything's going great and he's living in a mansion and he's driving a Cadillac and he's got the best of the best the world has to offer. None of that's happening in these Christian epistles. Not a one of them. These guys are poor, they're running for their lives, they've been beat, they've been whipped, they've been spit on, their families have disowned them, and here they are, this guy, this poor guy Paul, he's in prison for nothing he did wrong, and here he is, he's going to write this letter, and you'll be amazed his attitude towards God. Amen. He's not mad at God. He says, as a matter of fact, verse 7, he says, For God had not given us that spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. God doesn't give you that spirit of fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Amen. And He gives us, He doesn't want us to be fearful. We got a new, we got eternal life coming. We got a heavenly place waiting for us up in heaven. He's got something waiting for us. And that spirit of fear is not, none of that's from God, but He does give us the spirit of power, which is found in the Holy Ghost. See, notice, He's given us the spirit of fear. Has not given us the spirit of fear, but what's He given us? The spirit of power? You got power in the Holy Spirit. You got power in the Holy Ghost and of love. He's given us a spirit of love. And we talked about that in Sunday school, that love is one of the main characteristics of a Christian. Amen. And I was, we, were, we were looking at this in the Bible, and we were kind of looking, the, the main characteristic of the world is lust. Amen. It's coveting. It's, you've got to get more. You've got to get more of it. You've got to, you've got to lust. You, it's, it's, it's all the sex you can have. It's all the money you can have. It's all the goods you can have. It's, all the, it's always more, more, more. And the main characteristic of God and through Jesus Christ and for a Christian is simply love. Amen. Lust takes and love gives. Amen. For God so loved the world. We have that spirit of love on us and in us. And of, a, and of a look, and the last one, the third one, and the spirit of a sound mind. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, you want to talk about the world. That's what, I don't know about you guys, but I turn on the TV and I see stuff on the Internet, and the world has gone completely crazy. These people are completely off the rocker. The things they say, the things they believe, the things, the things the thing, the ideas and the thoughts and their emotions. And these people are, are, are I had a friend of mine that had went to that new Avengers movie. And, and he was at that Avengers movie. And he told me, he said, there's a part in that movie. He said, and, and I, I could hear people audibly crying and weeping and, and, and being uncontrollably crying. And he's looking at me. And this, guy's, this guy doesn't even go to church. And this guy says, what's wrong with these people? He said, these people are unstable. I said, what do you mean? He goes, this, this is a, that, that's a character. That guy's still alive. That actor's still alive. This is a character on a movie. It's not real. 
and they're not, they're not getting choked up. They're audibly crying like one of their loved ones, their mom or their dad just died. He said, what's wrong with these people? And I told him, I said, they're crazy. <laughs> they're, they're unstable. They're, they, they're, using, they're using all their feelings in the world. They use all their feelings on TV, and they use all their feelings on movies and on goods. And then when it comes to God, they have no feelings to give. And when they should be crying over God and crying over their, over their loved ones and crying over sin, they're using all that crying and those emotions on stuff that doesn't matter to hill of beans, movies and TV and songs. We have a spirit of a sound mind. And sometimes we take that for granted. Granted, that we're not half crazy like the world acts. The world acts half crazy. Look at verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul says, I know you might be ashamed of me because I'm in prison. He said, but don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of me in prison. Don't be ashamed of that. That's something you should be proud of. That's something that, not proud in a bad sense, but proud that the Lord is using me. The Lord has used me. Wouldn't that be something else that you go down to, 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 the, to Hamilton County, you go down there to the, to the Brookshire Brothers or whatever, you're in a grocery store, and they're saying, hey, uh, where's your pastor at? And they got, you have to say, oh, my pastor, he's in prison right now. <laughs> he's in the jailhouse. That wouldn't look good. That wouldn't look good at all. It's like going out in public not wearing your wedding ring for some of you guys. It's, just not, it's not a good look, you know. And the point is, is that there's a, there's a chance that they're saying, that, you know, well, he's in prison for a reason, where there's smoke, there's fire. Paul's in prison for a reason. Paul says, don't be ashamed of it. It's the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ, nor me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed of this stuff. But look, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. Now, that's not something we want to hear. What he's saying is, he's saying, you know, don't be ashamed of me being in prison. But what you need to be is, you need to be a partaker of these afflictions that I'm suffering. Amen. Why don't you do something for the Lord that makes you be afflicted? And that's what keeps us from serving Jesus Christ like we should. What keeps us from handing out a gospel tract to somebody like we should is we're afraid and we're ashamed to be, and we're afraid to be afflicted for what's going to come. They're going to make fun of us. They're going to give us a weird look. They might talk bad about us. They might call us a, a, a religious fanatic. And, and recently I've been called a religious fanatic. Just recently I had been, I've been called a religious fanatic and I love it. <laughs> I, I'm a religious fanatic for Jesus Christ. I remember one time me and... Chad Reese and Mark Smith were at the, a dinner table at Denny's down at uh, Bible College down at Pensacola, Florida, and we had our Bibles open, and uh, this girl, the waitress, comes by, and she says, she looks at us, and she says, uh, I, I, and she sees the Bibles, and she stops, she goes, y'all take y'all's religion very serious. Amen. Amen. And you know what I told her? I said, no, ma'am, I take Jesus Christ very serious. Amen. And that's what I meant that. I take Jesus Christ very serious. Enough to study and find out what he wants from me. Amen. Verse 9. Who hath saved us? Now this is your verse right here. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Let's stop there. Jesus Christ didn't save you because you did something. Jesus Christ didn't save you because you're a good person. Jesus Christ didn't save you because you stopped smoking, you stopped drinking, you started going to church, or you started giving money to the church, or you started stopped cussing, and you started acting like a better person. Jesus Christ didn't save you for those things. And He's not going to save you for any kind of work you're going to do, be it good or bad. Okay, you've got to get that. I, I, it's no bad work 
It's nothing you're doing that's going to save you. And, and, you get in, and man likes to get in there and say, okay, well, if you start going to church, uh, God will save you. And you start uh, giving to the poor and taking your money and give to the poor, God's going to save you. God never promised that. And, he, and that's not the Bible. It's nothing. Look, He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. There's nothing you're going to do, friend. There's nothing you're going to do. But how? But according to His own purpose and grace. It's His grace. We're saved by grace, not of works. It, we're saved by the grace of God. Uh, Kathy was just up here singing that song about grace. It's grace that God saves you. It's no work that you're going to do. It's going to be a free gift. It's an unmerited favor. And that's what salvation's, uh, that's what salvation's all about. That's why it makes it so beautiful. That's why it's so easy to preach the gospel messages. I'm not preaching something you're going to have to buy. I'm not trying to give you some, uh, something you're going to have to work for. What I'm trying to do is give you a free gift, which is Jesus Christ. That's the easiest thing to do. It's, it's a free gift. But the ball's in your court. You must receive it. You've got to receive that free gift. It's not enough to, to be offered to you. You've got to receive it. There's lots of times people are offered free gifts. I've seen this woman that, that just couldn't stand her mother, and her mother made this beautiful afghan for her grandbaby, and she brought that afghan to the daughter, and the daughter hated her mother so much, her daughter said, I don't want that. I won't take that from you, and turned around and walked off. Well, there was a free gift that was given out of love, and that daughter, because of the hate in her heart, said, I don't want that, and turned around. Beautiful, beautiful little blanket she had made for her grandbaby and the daughter. There was so much friction between them. She wouldn't take that free gift. Eternal life is a free gift. It's a beautiful free gift. It's a free gift in Jesus Christ. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us, how was this free gift given us? In Christ Jesus. Amen. In Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, what that means is that's not a Calvinistic teaching that way before the world began, God had chosen you to be saved, and some of you, He chose to go to hell. That's not what that verse teaches. What that verse is saying there at the end of verse 10 is saying that before the world began, God had it planned that all of this would happen through Jesus Christ. That's what that means. It's real simple, but some people get it confused and start trying to get Calvinistic there. Verse 10. Now, I'm leading all the, I'm, this is the intro, and I'm, getting, I'm trying to get down to verse 12. Verse 10. But it's now made manifest. But all this is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Praise the Lord. You know what Jesus Christ said about somebody who believes in Him? They'll never see death. They're never going to die. They'll never see death. See, what happens is, when you don't have Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're gonna, one day you're going to go, and breathe out that last breath. Without Jesus Christ, your soul's going to come out of your body, and you're going to see the angel of death. And he's going to take you, and he's going to escort you down into a devil's hell, waiting for the great white throat and judgment. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not on any works you did, you just have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you believed on Jesus Christ. The Bible says, when you take that last breath in your soul, you won't see death. You're going to see the angels of God there, and there's going to be glory, and they're going to carry you up into heaven. He's abolished death. That's why I love Jesus Christ, because He's not just somebody who's for this life. He's for the life to come. That's why Jesus Christ is so when He abolished death and hath brought, look, and He hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. If you're in here and you're lost, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me ask you a question. Are you sick and tired 
Are you just sick and tired of the life you're living? Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of the way you get up every morning? It's the same old thing. It's the same old thing. It's all the same. You just go to work. You're at some a deadbeat job that you don't like and you just make a little bit of a change and then you barely get your bills paid and you might be a little bit behind and then tomorrow you wake up and it's the same old thing and, and you don't see anything over the horizon. There's just, it's just a dark cloud everywhere you go. That's called being lost going to hell. And I'm here to tell you with Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ promised you, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the second thing he promised to you, he said, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. Amen. Now let me give you a testimony of my Christian life. I, I, I still work a job that's a deadbeat job. I don't get paid near as much as I think I should get paid. None of us do, amen. We always want to make more money so we can survive better. Sometimes life is just week after week. It's a drudgery. But when you're living in Jesus Christ... When you have Jesus Christ, it is a life that's abundant. It's a joyful life. And I, I had this one girl that was working up there at the city of Brownwood with us, and she was working as a, as a temporary, and she came in one, day, one morning, and it's like 7 o'clock in the morning, and we're getting water, we're doing all that, and she'd be up there at the water, where we got the water jugs and everything, and she asked me, she said, why are you always smiling? She said, you're always sunshine and rainbows. You know, seven in, she goes, it's too early in the morning, you're always sunshine and rainbows. And you know what I told her? I said, it's because of Jesus. Amen. And she got this blank look on her face. It's because of Jesus Christ. And I tried to hand her a gospel track. I don't know if that girl ever got saved, but she got a testimony. Amen. I didn't say nothing to her. She saw there's something different in that guy's life. This guy's working the same deadbeat job I'm working. This guy's having to get up in the morning just like I'm having to get up in the morning. What's different? Why is he sunshine and rainbows? <laughs> it ain't because of anything I did, sister. It's because of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm sunshine and rainbows. Amen. And if you don't get it, it's because you don't know Jesus Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Do you understand I'm not preaching something, something you need to do. I'm not trying to preach some kind of work. I'm not trying to preach go to church. What I'm trying to do is preach to you a simple uh, concept, which is a man named Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to you and showing you Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going with this. Verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So Paul says, I'm appointed a preacher. And he was a preacher. And an apostle, one of them that had personally seen Jesus Christ with his eyes. An apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So Paul was all three of those. And notice that to the Gentiles. That's to me and you. So if you're a Gentile, Paul's the one for you. Amen. He's the one for you. Now, I want to focus on verse 12 in this sermon. And I, I, wrote, I read all that just so you have the context of what Paul's leading to when he gets to verse 12. And this is where I want to focus this morning. For the, which came, for the which cause I also suffered these things. He suffered all these things because he's a preacher and he's an apostle and he's a teacher. So if you're going to be a preacher or an apostle or a teacher, do anything for Jesus Christ, you need to get ready, you're going to suffer. Amen. You're going to suffer. If you're, if you're worth your count and you're not Joe Olstein, you're going to suffer. Well, why isn't Joe Olstein suffering? Well, you need to ask yourself that question. You need to ask yourself that question. Well, maybe he's not a preacher. Maybe he's not an apostle. Or maybe he's not a teacher. We're getting awfully quiet in here. We have a lot of Joe Osteen fans in here or what? Maybe y'all fell for the big smile and the big white teeth. 
Y'all come in here with a crooked smile and brown teeth. That's what you're getting from me. That's all I have to offer you. In the words of God, that's all I have to offer. So verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. He's never ashamed of Jesus Christ. He's never ashamed to be in trouble for Jesus. He's never ashamed for suffering for Jesus Christ. He loves every minute of it. These brothers and sisters on this wall that are missionaries, they're all over the world, they're in all kinds of countries all over the world, and man, they're going through some of the worst pain. Uh, Brother uh, Doherty came through this church, and Brother Doherty, he got on a boat, he's down in Brazil, and he went into the deepest, darkest parts of the Amazon jungle. He was on that boat for hours, I think it was like a five-hour boat trip down the jungle, and by the time he got down there, he got into this village, and there was no TV, no electricity or anything, and he got down there, and he's preaching Jesus Christ, he's trying to lead them to the Lord, and he got sick he got deathly sick he caught some kind of bug some kind of worm got in his system and by the time he got home he lost like I think like 60 pounds or something he just completely skin and bones he almost died and he finally got over it and he started feeling better he was so afflicted you know what he told me over there at Ronnie's ranch he said I'm, I'm ready to go back I looked at him I said you are completely crazy you want to go back on a boat down a jungle it was some strangers for five to six hours going to some village and preach again Jesus Christ after you almost died. I said, you're crazy. Crazy for Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's not ashamed. He's not, there's nothing to shame about. He's willing to die for the Lord. But this is what I'm focusing on, the end of verse 12. This is what we're going to look at this morning. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I want, to preach that, I want to preach that verse right there. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So verse, verse 12, he says, Paul says, For I know, for I know whom I have believed. For I know, we know something. I know something. What do you know, preacher? I know that Jesus Christ saved me. I know that. I know beyond a doubt. I might not know all the ins and outs of the stock market. I might not know the, all the latest fashion trends, all the movie stars, all the latest songs, what's going on on TV. I might not know all the latest scientific theories, but there's one thing I do know. I know when I pass away, I'm going to go on to heaven. I know that. I know that, and I'm, I'm sure of it. But uh, I know whom I believe in, and I know I'm going to heaven. You know, uh, I had somebody tell me one time, you, there's no way you can know for sure if you're going to heaven or hell. No one can know for sure. I know. Amen. And I'm real quick to tell you, oh, yeah, I know. Well, nobody can know. I said, you're not biblical. You don't know your Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John writes, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? I believe. He said, I wrote this stuff to you that ye may know that you have eternal life. That's 1 John 5, 13. He says, I wrote these things unto you that you believe on the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, do you know? You can know. And Paul says, without a shadow of a doubt, he says, I know whom I believe in. He knows it. And we can know something. Oh, there's no way you can know for sure. Yeah. Well, I know for sure. And there's nobody you can, no way you can talk me out of it. I know whom I believe in. He says, I know, I know whom I have believed. Now, this is what I want to focus on a lot this morning. For he says, I know whom I have believed. And notice it says whom. 
I have believed. It's not a what I believe. It's not what you believe, but it's whom you believe. And I want to focus on this this morning because that's where some people get off on, on the wrong trail. They get off on the wrong way. The Bible says, There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are death. Amen. And that way is the what way. And I'm talking about the whom way. Notice it's a what I believe. It's a, not a what I believe. It's a whom I believe. Amen. Who's that whom? That whom is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I read those verses before, verse 12, to give you the context so you would be on no shadow of a doubt. You would know he's talking about Christ, Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. It's not what I believe, it's whom I believe. What you believe, what you believe can send you to hell. What you believe can send you to hell. I'm not asking you what you believe, I'm asking you whom you believe. You know, there's, I, I told you about there, that he's given us the spirit of the sound mind and the world's half crazy. He said, well, why do you, Brother Keegan, you're so negative. Well, yeah, I am negative. And somebody accused me the other day of having Murphy's Law because I said, this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, it fell apart, and that's exactly what happened. Because I went into, they went into the store, and I said, I want to change over from AT&T to Cricket. I want to get a new phone service. And I told the guy in there, and the guy knew me. I knew the guy. I'd known him for years and years. I said, let me tell you something, Jacob. When you go to change me over to, to Cricket from AT&T, they're going to mess me around. He goes, oh, they want nothing. That's the easiest thing. I said, you don't understand, man. They hate me up there. Somewhere up in AT&T, they got a list of people to hate, and my name's on that list. And they're going to see my name come across their computer system. Red flags are going to go off. Red sirens are going to go off. And whoop, 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 Keegan, whoop, whoop. Let's mess him around. Let's mess him around. And he laughed. Oh, man, you're, it's just my, you're so negative. You know, don't, just calm down, calm down. So the next day, went over there, changed my phone over. This is the easiest part. Two and a half hours later, he told me, you're going to have to come back in 48 hours. They're not going to do it. And he goes, don't be mad, Keegan. Don't be mad. See, he knows me. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. He knows me. Right? We were talking about this in Sunday school. He knows me. It's time for me to pick up a chair and start, you know, throwing it across the room. I'm mad. No, I'm not mad. I got the biggest smile on my face. I said, man, I'm not mad. I expected this to happen. I knew that they were going to mess around with me. I, I, I expected this to happen. I know. I know whom I believe in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's not whom you believe, it's what you believe. What you believe will send you to hell. You know, say, well, I believe, and like I said, let me, like I kind of went off on rabbit trail, but like I said, people believe, uh, they, they, they say, well, uh, you, you, you're so negative because you talk evil about the world, and you always talk bad about the world because the world's full of crazy idiots. And using the word idiot, that's not harsh enough. <laughs> no, it's not harsh enough. Because what happens is these people get a college education, and you know what happens when you, you get an idiot and you give them a college education? Let me tell you, you got an educated, college-educated idiot then. That's what you got. Because you got this guy over in California, and y'all might not remember this because some of y'all might be too young to remember this, but in, back in 19, 1992, 93, Haley's Comet was coming through the solar system. And this guy down in California, he had about 20-something followers, I think. I think there was 15 of them that helped him do this. And he said, Haley's Comet has got this trail, and behind that trail is a UFO. You can't see it because it's hidden in the trail. And if we'll all die together, if we'll all die together, that UFO will pick us up and carry us on. And you know what that guy did? He had every one of them, they neutered themselves. 
They neutered themselves and they laid out in bunk beds and they all killed themselves. Trying to catch that UFO on that comet going through there. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. What you believe will send you to hell. They believe that enough to die. Just because you believe that there's no hell doesn't mean you're going to die and not go to hell. I don't care what a Jehovah's Witnesses convince you. Oh, there's no hell. There's no. I don't care what you believe. What you believe will send you to hell. I don't know if care if you believe that you can wear a little special magical underwear like a Mormon does, and that'll get you into some terrestrial kingdom or celestial kingdom. I don't care what you believe. What you believe will send you to hell. It's not what you believe. It's whom you believe. That's what we're. That's what we're trying to get at. What you believe. Now listen to me. What you believe it originates from a whom. So no matter how you look at it, it always goes back to whom you believe. Now you might have, I, what I believe is this, and what I believe is that, and what I believe, yeah, but what you believe in is coming from a whom. What I believe about God and what I believe about Jesus Christ is coming from a whom, which is Jesus Christ himself. And when these people believe this stuff, and they believe this what and what I believe, and what I, you're, you're, it's originating from a whom, no matter what it is. Some whom told you what to believe. Some whom told you what to believe. And they didn't just pull this stuff out of thin air. So these people, they tend to uh, get caught up in the what's and they forget about the whom's. Stop trusting in what looks right and start trusting in whom. Because I'm telling you, the devil's subtle, man. And it's, it, he, can t- he can get you set up there and he start making you believe something and you start believing it. and it's oh, I believe. But you don't really stop to think about where it's originating from and the whom. And stop believing everything you see. Start believing in Jesus Christ. Stop trusting in what's and look to the right whom, Jesus Christ. The wrong whom will tell you a what that will send you to hell. You got to get the right whom. So I'm telling you, everything originates from a whom, because it's not a what I believe, it's a whom I believe. No matter what you're telling me when I knock on your door, what you're telling me when I'm trying to witness to you about Jesus Christ and about religion and about God, you can tell me, well, what I believe is this and what I believe is that, but it's originating from a whom. That's why sometimes when I deal with a Jehovah's Witness, I, I, I stop talking about what they believe, because they're not going to change what they believe. But what I do is I attack the whom that told them what to believe. I attack their organization. I attack all the false prophecies of the Jehovah's Witness, the Watchtower Society. I attack what they've taught since 1910, since 1915, since 1933. You attack whom they believe. Because what they believe, that's an argument that we get lost on all these rabbit trails. But when you start getting to the whom, it starts narrowing it down. Why are you believing him? Why are you believing that whom? I've got the right whom in Jesus Christ. Man, get away from that. I know whom, whom I have believing. The right whom will lead you to the right whom, which is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Now, up on, my, up on the Lord's Supper table, I have this big old book. And you can see this thing is as big as a dictionary or an encyclopedia. What this is is called the Martyr's Mirror. The Martyr's Mirror. And it's a, it's a big book, full page after page, Paragraph after paragraph of people who've died for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to read you this little uh, testimony <clears throat> out of here. And you're going to find out that these people didn't, buy, didn't die for a what? They believed. They died for whom? 
they believe. This a young maiden, these are two young women. This young girl, she's a teenager, was in, not, in, in 1950, excuse me, in 1558 A.D. There was also a young maiden named Janikin, apprehended for her faith at Antwerp, that's down in Belgium, near Germany, near that area in Europe, who, when she appeared before the Lord's, freely confessed her faith. She said, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. The Margrave, which is like a holy Catholic judge, the Margrave said, Janikin, if you will renounce, I will show you favor. Do according to my will, and I'll give you your life. She replied, the life that you would give me, I desire not. For your promises are vain and as wavering as a reed. It would only bring me into greater sorrow. Cursed is everyone that trusts in man. Amen. That's what this young girl told that person that's about to kill her. That's Jeremiah 17.5. There was a preacher named Belshazzar there who endeavored to make her believe that God was in the sacrament. Now who believes that God's in the sacrament? That's a Catholic religion. Holy Catholics, the Catholic religion. In other words, every time you take what we call the Lord's Supper, you're literally taking Jesus Christ's blood into you and Jesus Christ's body into you. That Jesus Christ literally, God himself is literally in that fruit juice and in that bread. And when you're taking it, you're actually taking him into your body. And she didn't believe that. However, she would not confess it. She said, you thus disgrace God in your body, but read the Lord's Prayer once. The Lord's Prayer says, Our Heavenly Father, who art, our Father who art in heaven. Right? And when she, he read it, he read it out loud. She said to him, There, you see, you read that he's in heaven. And how dare you say then that he is in the sacrament? You notice what she's doing? She's using the Bible to defend what, whom she believes. She's, she's using the Bible. So in the court, she was asked by the bailiff whether she was rebaptized. In other words, she believed in Jesus Christ and she got baptized. Why would you be rebaptized? Well, if you were baptized as a little baby or sprinkled as a little child, they called it rebaptized. That's why you're called Baptist. You're called Baptist because they called us Baptist. They called us Anabaptist. They, they had all these names for us. That's why we got the name Baptist, because we didn't believe in infant baptism. We believe that you get baptized after you believe in Jesus Christ as your Amen. Lord and Savior, not before you believe. So they said, uh, are you, have you been rebaptized? She answered this, Question me in regard to my faith, and I will freely confess it to you, or are you ashamed of it? I confess one baptism, which must follow faith, and does not pertain to infants, but requires previous amendment of life. Amen. In other words, she says, I believe in one baptism after you believe, and it's give, you baptize after you've had eternal life given to you. Yes. This is a young girl with the courage of a lion. We have done enough, the bailiff said to her, look, we have done enough to gain you. In other words, we've done enough to, to, to get you away from being punished. If you had suffered yourself to prevail upon to recant, you should have done well. All you have to do is just reject what you believe. That's all you have to do, and you'd be set free. I'd let you go. That's what he's telling this young girl. This is what she replied. You have loved my flesh, but not my soul. You have loved my flesh, but not my soul. How many religious teachers are like that? They love your flesh. They love your back pocket. They love what you coming into church. They love seeing you. They love the social gathering. But they don't love your soul. Amen. 
which, would have glad, which you would have gladly devoured, but God will receive it as a child and make it an heir. And though you are now a bailiff in your glory, right now you will deplore it in the judgment of God and wish that you had rather been a herdsman in the fear of God. She said, you're something really important right now in this world, but there's going to come a time you would have wished you were the poorest of the poor when you stand before God. That's what this young, courageous girl said. And it said there that thereupon she was sentenced to death and having committed her spirit into the hands of God was drowned in a tub together with another woman named Noel. That's just one paragraph out of look at this book. This book is a testimony of people who knew what they, whom they believed, not what they believed. Amen. It's not about what you believe, it's whom you believe. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know whom, not a what, I have believed. It's belief. It's all about belief in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read you some verses. You're welcome to read along with me, but I'm going to go pretty quick in John chapter 3. Let me read you why I believe Jesus Christ. You say, well, okay, you believe Jesus. Why do you believe it? I believe what he said. Well, what did he say about belief? Let me read it to you. Uh, John 3, 18, Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on him, on Jesus Christ, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's what I believe. That's whom I believe. That's what I believe about Jesus. Look what Jesus Christ said in John 6, 35. John 6, 35, Jesus says this, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Amen. John chapter 7, Jesus Christ. This is his words. This is why I believe what he had to say. John 7, 37. In the last day, that great day at the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. He said, Believe. He said, Believe. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Believe. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed. Jesus Christ said, Believe. John chapter 8, John chapter 8, I love these verses. Verse 32, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the person I believe, the whom I believe, he said in John chapter 8, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Amen. You hear people quote that all the time, and when they're quoting that, they're quoting Jesus Christ. Give him the credit, give him the credit. But in the very next, I mean, later on in verse 36, Jesus Christ says, and if the Son therefore shall make you free... You shall be free indeed. You want to be free of this world? You want to be free of pain? You want to be free of sorrow? You want to be free of the problems you're dealing with? I'm talking about all emotional. I haven't even got to the physical. You want to be free? And to me, now listen to me, Now I might be wrong. Some of y'all might have led a better life than me. To me, I've shed a whole lot more tears over emotional pain than I ever have over physical pain. Amen. And I've been through some physical stuff. There's something about that emotional that Jesus Christ can come in there and He can help you through that. Amen. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to read you one more Jesus Christ gave us. 
In John 10, 28, it's a famous one. Oh, yeah. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life. I give unto them eternal life, Jesus said, and they shall never, never perish. Now, let me show something to you. He says in verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. He didn't say they earn it. He said, and they earned eternal life. And I, no, he said, I give them eternal life. It's a gift. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Who is he to say that? Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all. Greater than all the Satan's forces, greater than all the world. And let me tell you something, listen to me. If you listen to anything, listen to me this morning. He's greater than all your sins. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Who is Jesus Christ to say something like that? Who is He? Well, He tells you in the very next verse, verse 30. I and my Father are one. He's God manifest in the flesh. Brothers and sisters, friends, if if Jesus says it, He can do it. He can do it. uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I know whom I have believed and Paul went on to say, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. He said, I'm persuaded. You don't have to convince me, I'm persuaded. <laughs> Obviously, right? Amen. You've been listening to me for about 30 minutes, preaching, and I'm persuaded that Jesus Christ is whom I'm believing. I'm persuaded he can do what he says he can do. I'm persuaded. So let me ask you a question. Why aren't you persuaded? Amen, brother. But why, why, why are so many people not persuaded? I say, if you're not persuaded, study prophecy of the Bible. If you just sit down and say, okay, I don't believe this, but I, I'm, just because that pastor said it, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to study the prophecy. Just prophecy. That's all I ask you to study. Don't study anything else. Just go down and don't study where did this Bible come from and how did we get it. Don't, 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 I mean, don't mess with any of that right now. Just sit down and say, okay, I have this Bible right now in my hand. It's a King James Bible. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to do what that pastor says just to prove him wrong. And I'm going to study prophecy. And see what this, where this Bible prophesied and then see if it came true. Amen. Don't do it if you don't want to be saved. Don't do it if you don't want to be saved. Because you know what you're going to find out? God said, I'm going to prove to you I'm God because I'm going to show you what's going to happen before it happens. And by the time it's done, you're going to know there's a God. Now, if you're going to take Jesus Christ, it's between you and Him. Study prophecy. And let me ask you another reason why you, what would persuade you. I think what would persuade me, if I wasn't saved, was a testimony. Personal testimony of other Christians of people who are living the life, who've experienced this, who are going through pain and sorrow, like Sister Colleen, some of the different things in this church, Brother Raymond, that people are going through stuff, but still have a smile on their face and still love the Lord. Amen. How is that possible? What's going on in their life? They got, they, why do they have sunshines and rainbows and I have nothing but a dark cloud? Well, go and ask them. Get a personal testimony. There's a famous fighter, and y'all probably don't know his name, he's an MMA fighter, he's named Rory McDonald. He's one of the best fighters in his division, and he's in Bellator, he's in MMA, and he had a big fight last weekend, he had a big knockdown drag out with this guy, and he, he got him on the ground, he beat him up, and he won the fight. But it wasn't his normal killer type thing where he just really laid it on that guy. 
But he did all, he pointed him, you know, he, he did just enough and he kept him down. He did enough just to win the fight. So people were booing after the fight because they wanted to see somebody get their head knocked off. Amen. That's why we turn this stuff on. We won't see blood. We won't see somebody getting their head knocked in. And Rory, guess what happened? Somewhere along the way, Rory got saved. So they get him up there, and they're interviewing him. They interview the winner, and they're like, well, what, what was going on? Was something going, are you changing your style? What's going on? This is what he said. God has really changed my spirit and heart. I don't have that killer inside. Amen. He says it takes a certain spirit to come in here and put a man through pain. I don't have that same desire to hurt people anymore. I know the Lord has something in store for me, he was speaking to me in here tonight. It's a different feeling. He said, I landed some good stuff, but there's just something different. That's a man that stopped with the what's and started believing the whom. Amen. That's a personal testimony of somebody who said, you know what? I've received Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, and there's just something that's changed in me. I don't want to hurt people like I used to want to hurt them. He said, I don't have that killer inside. You know why? He's got the lover inside, Jesus Christ. He's got that Jesus Christ living in him. And to see him giving that testimony, and, the, and that, 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 that ring announcer, oh, uh, what's his name, was up there talking to him, and you could see that look on his face like, what are you talking about? Just lost as a goose. Like, woo, woo, and every Christian in the world's going, Amen. He knows exactly what he means. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, are you persuaded, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Do you realize that God is able to keep it? I believe he's able. I know who's not able? Me. I'm not able. I'm going to read you something in 1 Peter chapter 1. I know I'm turning a lot, but I've got to read it to you. I want you to know that the Bible teaches us. This is not something I'm just making up off the top of my head. The Bible teaches us this stuff that you're not able, but God is. And He's able to keep it. You're not going to be saved by your works. Get that out of your head. You're going to be saved by the grace, by the gift of God. That no man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Why would we boast? Because if you were doing it yourself and you saved yourself by doing some sacrament or doing some work or going to church or giving money to the church or feeding the poor, when you got up to heaven, you would be trying to glorify yourself. Say, well, you know, I did a lot to get in here. And, you know, I was, I was pretty good. I always showed up at church every time the doors were open. Not, 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 no. When you get up to heaven, God wants you to turn up there and say, where's Jesus? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He wants you to give all the praise to Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Peter says, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. <laughs> it's reserved in heaven. We say, I don't even know how to get to heaven. I don't know how to even make the reservations. Don't worry, Jesus got that all took care of. I go to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's preparing the place. He's making the reservation. And in verse 5, He's the one that's keeping it. Look at verse 5. Who are kept, how are we kept? We Who are kept by the power of God. Amen. That reservation, that inheritance is kept by God's power, not your own. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. I'm going to read you one more verse. 
Read one verse out of Jude. Read you a verse out of Jude. Jude verse 24. Talking about Jesus Christ. Talking about God the Father. Jude verse 24. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. He's able to keep you. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able. You're not able. Do you understand what Paul's saying back here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1? He's saying, I know whom I believe in and persuaded that He is able. He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I'm not able. <laughs> if you relied on Brother Kicking, I'm going to go straight to hell like a bullet. I'm going to fall down into the pits of hell so quick. But it's by God's grace and He's keeping me. I'm not in my own hand. I just read it to you and... and, and John chapter 10, I'm in the hands of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, if you're in my hands, you're in the Father's hands, and we are one, and there's nobody who's greater than us. It's it. You got it. He's in there. You're not, even if you let go, He's still grabbing a hold. Praise the Lord for that. And I need to finish up. I'm going long. I know whom I have believed in and persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. What day? That day I take my last breath. That day they cut my head off. That day they throw me in prison and shoot me at the, with the firing squad or give me the death penalty. That day that I die for Jesus Christ. That day that I die in a car wreck. That day I take my last breath. That day that the suffering, I'm suffering on that bed. That day, I've committed that day to Him because He's going to save me and get me into heaven. Listen, Paul said something that's very, very important. You need to listen to me this morning about this. He said something that's very, very important. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, he said, if, he said, if, we, if Jesus Christ is for this life only, we are men most miserable. What does he mean by that? He said, if, you're, if Jesus Christ is only for this life, then we're getting persecuted. We're, we're trying to d deny ourselves. We're trying to live without sin. We're not enjoying the pleasures of sin. We're trying to do the best ability. If we're doing all this for just this life, we're men most miserable. Amen. That's why some of you are miserable as Christians. Because you're trying to live this life. It's not for this life. It's for the life to come. Yeah. You took Jesus Christ not because He's going to give you a new car or He's going to make a life a blessing. It's not always a blessing receiving Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a curse. You're going to have family turn on you. Had a friend up at work. His wife left him when he received Jesus Christ. She divorced him. She not only divorced him, he caught her cheating on him. That's what he got. Does that sound like a bed of roses? No. He's dealing with a lot of pain and sorrow all because he received Jesus Christ and she told him when he came home, she said, I don't like the new you. I want the one that parties. I want the one that goes out carousing. I want... So she just got rid of him and went and found somebody else. It's not always a bed of roses, brothers and sisters. But it's not for this life. And I'm trying to tell him and I'm trying to tell you, hey man, let her leave. Hey man, let them hate you. It's for eternal life. It's for Jesus Christ. It's for when you come to that day and everybody comes to that day when you have to face death. And death is looking you in the face. And it might happen when you're 60. It might happen when you're 18. It might happen when you're 99. But when you're looking death and everybody faces it, everybody's going to come to an end. And you're about to take that last breath. And you say, I've committed it to Jesus Christ. And he's able to keep it. And I know whom I believed. Amen. There's a big difference between atheists and believers when they take that last breath. There's an English infidel. 
He's part of the English Infidel Club. He's a big famous guy over there in England. His name was Sarah Francis, Francis Newport. They're around his deathbed, and he's about to die, and they're like, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. You, you got hope, and everything's going to be okay. You're going to get off that bed. Just get off that bed. Everything's going to be okay. This is what he said to them on his deathbed. He said, you need, not, you need and not tell me there is no God, for I know there is one, and that I am in his angry presence. You need not tell me there is no hell, for I already feel my soul slipping into its fires. Wretches, cease your idle talk about there being hope for me. I know I am lost forever. That's a quoted last words of an atheist. He's saying, you're trying to tell me there's no God? I know there's God. I'm in his angry, I'm in his angry presence. You're trying to tell me there's no hell? I feel its flames around me. But I don't want to end that way. I want to end by telling you what Sir Michael Faraday said. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. The journalist came and they were talking to him and they said, well, what's your speculation about life after death? And he said, speculation? I know nothing about speculations. I rest on certainties. I know my Redeemer liveth. And because he lives, I shall live also. So how, why do you believe that man, Jesus Christ? Why do you believe in him? Because he rose again. He rose again on the third day, proving that he can do exactly what he said he can do. Dwight O. Moody, one of my favorite preachers, Dwight O. Moody. Dwight O. Moody was quoted as saying, there's going to come a day where you're going to read that Dwight O. Moody's dead in the newspapers. He said, don't believe a word of it. Because at that day, I'm going to be more alive than I ever was. Amen. There's going to come a day you're going to read about Keegan croaking. He's going to kick the bucket. Maybe my wife will put a picture of me with a cat in the paper, whatever she's going to do to me. But listen to me. Don't worry about old Keegan. I'm going to be more alive than I ever was. And this is what Dwight Moody's last words were on his deathbed. He said, earth recedes, heaven opens before me. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no there is no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. Amen. His son was there with him and they recorded that his son said, no, 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 father. You're just dreaming. It's just a dream, father. And he said, no, I'm not dreaming. I have seen, he said, I have been within the gates. I have seen the children's faces. And he said he struggled a little bit more tried to breathe a little bit more, and then with his last breath, he said, this is my triumph. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. Amen. Do you want to die as an infidel? Do you want to die as an atheist? Do you want to go towards death, not knowing what's on the other side? Or do you want to believe in Jesus Christ and know you've got a new day coming? One last time, I know whom I have believed, Jesus Christ. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm not worthy to preach your word, Father. I'm not even worthy, Lord, to come into your church, Father. But Lord, by your grace, you're allowing me to come in and be a part of your people. And I thank you for that, Father. And, Lord, there might be somebody in the sound of my voice, Lord, that uh, you're speaking to their heart right now, Father. And, Lord, if I've said anything that's not pleasing you, Lord, I just, Father, I just pray it's fell on deaf ears and blind eyes. But, Father, I know that the simplest thing that you can do is give us this plan of salvation, Father, which is 
An eight-year-old can understand it. An 80-year-old can understand it. Lord, I believe that you were born of a virgin, Father. I believe that Jesus Christ walked on this earth, that he died for my sins, and then I'm a sinner, and that he rose again on the third day. Lord, I believe in the death and the burial and resurrection, Lord. And Lord, I know I'm a sinner, Lord, and I just want to be saved. I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about where even Genesis or Revelation is, Lord, but I believe in Jesus Christ, and I just simply want to take him. I'm going to take that gift, and I'm just calling out to you the best way I know how. And Jesus Christ will save you just like that. That's how I prayed. And Father, I just pray there's somebody that's anytime sound my voice has never prayed that prayer, doesn't there's never really put their faith in a whom? In Jesus Christ. Lord, they've always put their faith in church or in baptism or in, in just trying to live a good life. Lord God, they throw all that, that nonsense to the side, Lord. And just come to you in their filthy rags and say, I want to be clean. I want to be saved. I want a new life. I want a new way of living. Please give it to me. And Father, I know because you're so wonderful, I know you'll give it to them, Lord. Father, if there's somebody like that, let me sound my voice. Father, I pray when we give this invitation, they'll come on down, walk down the aisle, Lord God, and get saved. Lord, and I know, too, that in your scripture, you said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Lord, I know you want us to confess you. Lord, I, want you, I know you want us to confess you with our mouth, Lord, because our mouth shows where our heart's at, Lord. If somebody in the sound of my voice has got a heart to receive you, Father, I just pray you'd speak to the heart of the truth right now in the Spirit, and Lord, and they'll come on down the aisle and get saved. Lord, thank you for these people. Lord, I ask you to bless them. And Father, thank you so much for your words that we can read and study and see the prophecy you've given us. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. 
You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.